0: Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips and please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Lucy Tupu. Lucy is a classically trained industrial designer with over 20 years of experience producing bespoke rugs, carpets, furniture and lighting. She has lived and worked in New Zealand, Australia, and the United States, and for the last 16 years has been based in New York. In 2015, she opened her New York City-based design studio, which is called Lucy Tupu, and her debut collection was launched in May 2016 at the International Contemporary Furniture Fair. Her work has quickly built a reputation for its vibrant, graphic, and playful designs that also reflect her New Zealand and Samoan roots. Talo for Lucy, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Anna, thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> oh you're welcome. So the first question I'd love to start with Lucy is to take you back to when you were a child or maybe even into being a teenager. What careers were you thinking about or dreaming about? Well
1: I really I was, I was a late bloomer I would have to say. When I was in high school I really had no idea um, of the career path I wanted to to pursue or who I aspired to be, I didn't enjoy school or school life at all. I really struggled with learning and the academic expectations that came along with with being at a school um, environment. It was an all girls school as well, which I, I just looking back at that time, my mind was really in a different um, space. I. I Kind of rebelled against all the rules and regulations that came along with being an institution, especially in that in that day and age. Like it was in the eighties, and it was the uniform I didn't like, the assemblies, uh, the detention after school. It was just it was really too strict for me, and I think it, sub- subconsciously I was I was really rebelling against the system. Um, but if I had to choose subjects that I really got some enjoyment out of. I would probably say art, biology and uh, filmmaking, which was an elective at the time. And although I really enjoyed art, it didn't push me enough to find out exactly what medium I was really interested in. I do remember exploring different mediums in the classrooms, like silkscreen, clay, painting, pastels. And I knew that I felt very comfortable in my art class than I did say in my you know, physics class. So I really, I had no dreams early on. But my oldest brother, who was or is an actor, I, I looked up to him as as a younger kid, and so any conversation, I would try and divert. When people would ask me what I wanted to do in life, I would divert them and just I would simply tell them that I wanted to be an actor as well.
0: Mm, interesting. And I think school's not for everybody, and particularly as you said, those rules regulations that sit around it that can constrain you, particularly if you mm-hmm. are more creative. So how then did you find your way into industrial design? So <laughs> there's a little bit of a story, I guess. It took me
1: a while to get there. As you can imagine, I really couldn't wait to leave high school. So, and the experience there made me, it was a very easy decision for me after high school that I, I really didn't want to go back to school life. I didn't want to go to university like some of my friends did. And so I was really a bit of a lost soul. I, I really had no direction. I, I met an old family friend on a street one day who was a chef and they were actually looking for a kitchen hand. So I ended up taking that job and slowly worked my way up the ladder and eventually finished a chef's apprenticeship. It was just one of those chance meetings that can change <laughs> can change your life completely. So about seven or eight years of being a chef, I knew that if I wanted to continue on as a chef, it was either decide to be a head chef somewhere in a restaurant or sort of open up my own restaurant. And I really had no desire to do either. So at that point it was, it was really like, okay, I, I need to change careers. Um, but again, I was sort of a, a bit of a lost soul and I didn't really know which direction to, to go, what what I wanted to do. I enjoyed art. And so that just seemed like the logical direction to take. So I started exploring different art and design classes and I looked at graphic design. I looked at photography, sculpture. I did a few short courses here and there just to get a, a feel for, for each of them. And then I sort of stumbled upon industrial design and, you know, I thought, wow, this sounds like a really interesting course It covers so many different subjects. It could be transportation, it could be product design, it could be packaging. There was just so much involved and it just really fascinated me and and, and I was drawn to it. So I completed a foundation course and that six months was pretty much all I needed to realize that this was something I, I wanted to to continue studying and, and, and go back to school for.
0: Mm, and I had no idea that you'd been a chef for a number of years, <laughs> but I'm sure actually a lot of the skills, whether it's the work ethic, uh, will have stood you in good stead in your in your later career. Yeah. And then tell me, so after you'd studied that six month course in industrial design. What happened for you then in terms of your career?
1: So that I started teaching. I was asked invited to go back to the same university and start teaching, which I was very honored to do. And you know, I'd never been in a teaching position before. So I loved I loved teaching. It was the first year of design students. And I did that for a number of years part time. But I also I ended up working in a rug company after I graduated and and the reason was I really didn't want to go straight into a design company because I sort of felt like that would be, I would be selling my soul a little bit. I didn't want to design for anybody. I, I really just wanted to design for myself. And so I ended up getting this job at a rug company and I was managing and operating. So I wasn't doing any design work. And at the, in the evenings, I had access to a, an amazing workshop. And so I would... I was part of a design community at that point and I would go into the workshop and build design and build a lot of my own designs in that workshop and part of the design community we would have three or four different exhibitions throughout the year and so that was my creative outlet. So the design, the the rug company job really was just to sort of pay my bills and, and, you know, Make sure that I could survive, and it's still design on the on the side.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. At the same time, I can imagine really understanding the manufacturing process for a rug would also have stood you in good stead for the future. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was very good sort of getting the business side, managing side of, of the rug company, and also just learning about textiles. And yeah, it just it sort of just opened my world up. But I but I was very happy that I wasn't doing any designing there. Mm. That was sort of like a very conscious decision that I had made.
0: Mm. And what if so those first few years in the design world, what were the highlights but also the challenges of that time?
1: So I think well teaching was definitely a highlight. I really got a lot of it was it was very rewarding and I was I loved working with students and at the same time as teaching them I was also learning things. They were teaching me. But I think fast forward definitely launching my own design studio in New York was a highlight and I'm still pinching myself that this is where I am and this is what I'm doing and this is I'm really sort of fulfilling my dream I think. But there's definitely challenges that have come along with opening a new studio it was like learning a new language for me you know I was taking a, a big leap leap of faith and I really really had to believe in myself to make the jump learning accounting is the my biggest challenge I think and and also learning all the legal behind the scenes stuff that goes that's required has been a really big challenge for me um, and navigate but you know sort of I I I know how important it is as a business owner to learn every aspect of the business for it to run and operate successfully. So I'm resourceful in the way that i if I don't know what the answer is, I know that I need to find out or talk to somebody and find an expert that, that does know. Um,
0: yeah, and that's good advice for anyone, I think, opening their own business. And yeah. What was it then then prompted you to want to open your own Design studio?
1: I had been working for a rug company again in New York and I was I had opened their, their business. I'd opened their New York office and I was let go sort of about four or five years later. I think that was really the catalyst well it was it was disappointing and obviously heartbreaking because I really treated that business as my own, but it was also a blessing in disguise because it was a catalyst for me to to, to really take the the leap of faith and, and
0: open my own business mm and I think sometimes in those tough times which at the time we think that's that's not where I thought my career would go, actually, as you said, maybe it is a blessing in disguise and it enabled you to take that leap of faith mm. at the same time you know it must have taken a lot of courage and drive to actually open your own studio
1: yeah I look I definitely uh, am grateful for for having had the opportunity to run a business here because I don't think I would have gained the confidence to to open my own and I had experience with the New York market I had experience of living here already so I I had a sort of a network already in place so I I think that was that was definitely an advantage for me and and helped me open my own studio and feel comfortable opening my own studio
0: yeah you had that great foundation to work from and what do you really
1: love about your work now I love collaborating with artists and designers. I think that's, I just love the brainstorming. Uh, I love the back and forth about different ideas. I love creating something that is a part of a bigger picture. My first collaboration was with Max Gimblett. I'm not sure if you know him, but he's a prominent New Zealand artist and he's been living in new york for for many many years and i had i was very honored and grateful to have an opportunity to work with an artist like max he really inspires me and it just it made me think outside my boundaries and also just really be thoughtful about how we could merge our designs together or not designs but just sort of there was some connection between us and that it made sense to do a collaboration with my work and and his art and he's just a lovely generous, kind man. And so I was very thankful. Um, I also, I love being involved in a small part of someone's dream renovation and see it come to life. I really enjoy the the whole design process and from start to finish, um, you know, from consulting with somebody and sort of figuring out what the brief is, what they love, what they don't like, and what colours they like, what's their aesthetic, and then going through design development and then making samples and, you know, choosing different materials so it's really from the start to the finish I love and I think I love bringing my Samoan heritage into my designs and work I, I I try and reference this part of me as much as I can I, it's a very important part of who my who I am what my aden- identity is and and what my I want my company my brand and Yeah, my my designs to, to represent have a Falilima collection, which is named after my father's family village in Samoa. There are 10 different designs and they're influenced by the Samoan Tatao which is a salmon tattoo. And they're named one to ten in salmon. And I play with a lot of different textures using thick felted wool against delicate silk. And this is really sort of to kind of um, describe. And it's influenced by the bold symbols and motifs of, of the salmon.
0: Mm, fascinating. And where else do you get inspiration for that kind of creative process? Well, growing up in New Zealand in the 70s. (laughs) I
1: I definitely have a love of the 60s and 70s interiors. Yeah, and I have a lot of memories of growing up in New Zealand in the 70s. We had the Tupperware parties, I don't know if you remember them, the tan and the brown wallpaper, the velvet (laughs) couch sofas. We had a sort of a yellow vanity in the bathroom, and my parents put in a yellow or lemon yellow kind of acrylic shag pile <laughs> to go in there. I just I remember so many different. I don't know, seventies. Those there's objects that are sort of more mechanical, and yeah, it's just I, I love all those. The seventies, it just yeah gets my heart going. I love going op shopping, and so every time I'm I'm in uh, an op shop or thrift shopping, I'm I'm always looking for something from from that era.
0: Mm, and I think, and even looking through your work, it is so varied and vibrant. You know, and looking, mm-hmm. even looking through your po- some of your portfolio, it just made me smile. And maybe mm-hmm. it is some of you know, evoking some of those memories from my old childhood as well.
1: Oh, good. I
0: mean, I, you know, the other part is I'm
1: really interested in the sort of psyche and how emotions can play a big part in design. I think, you know, reactions that you can create from designs, I think are very powerful and, and whether they're positive or negative reactions. I think, you know, if you can touch somebody with something that you've created, I think is can be very powerful and very meaningful.
0: Mm, and I can imagine, let's say with your rugs, as you say, in somebody's home, as somebody walks in for that to evoke a feeling for them, but at the same minute in in a large office to evoke a sense of that organisation. You're right, it evokes that emotion. And you talked about a little bit about some of the challenges that you might have faced in your careers. As you look back on your career to date, what have been some of your toughest career challenges or moments? Well, 2020
1: was definitely a, a very challenging year, especially for the business. It made me sort of step back and think of how we're going to get through it. But I was given some advice a long time ago from a very dear family member who would tell me when I first opened my studio that it's the decisions that you make during those hard times, the tough times that really define you. You know, when you're going through a really good, easy, breezy time, it's those decisions can be easy, but it's really the one, the tough ones that you have to make. And that, that was tough last year for me. You know, I had a small staff and I, I wanted to make sure that they were they were safe and that they were still able to to be with me. So we had a lot of projects that were delayed or cancelled because of 2020 and COVID and the lockdown. And so it just it, it, everything from not, not just my family and the business, but just emotionally and mentally, it was, it was very tough.
0: And how did you get through that time?
1: Well, <laughs> we really became marketing people overnight, we had to, it it was, we were forced to do this. And we we realized, you know, that we had to pivot and really rethink creatively about how we're going to stay connected with our clients, how we're going to keep the business going. It was was scary, not just health-wise, but but how are we going to stay afloat? Everybody went online and that was kind of like just a strange normal to kind of realize that everybody was online, everybody was at home. And so we signed up with several new online platforms and they were sort of acting as salesperson people for me out in the field. It's a resource for interior designers and architects. And so we thought, well, this is probably a good time to sign up with with these platforms. So we did that. I made sure that I met with my staff every morning. It was my responsibility to make sure they were safe and happy and focused. And, you know, we would stay connected. That was really important because out of sight, out of mind. So we would be on Zoom calls, definitely every morning and then throughout the day. I also just signed up for a lot of design talks and interviews and listened to local designers and what they were doing and and how they were pivoting and what their strategies were. And we would update all of our social media platforms and just to make sure that they were all updated and fresh and we had weekly newsletters that we would it was it was our way of, of connecting and, and telling our clients what we were doing and how we were changing with the times and how we were feeling sometimes it was emotional and sometimes it was just oh hey this, these are some new designs that we're thinking about but also just reaching out to all my friends and designers checking in and discussing what their situations are and are they safe how are they doing how are their families and
0: just talking strategies and just how can we help each other and that wonderful sense of connection and support yeah. that actually came out of that time. Nice, very much. Yeah, very much. And I'm wondering, Lucy, that the title for this podcast is the female career. Have there been any challenges or obstacles that you might have faced as a woman in your career?
1: Yes, I think definitely raising two children in New York City without immediate family here to support me, and my husband working full time. That was it extremely difficult and challenging. It was a lonely time bringing up two two little ones and not a lot of sleep and it's you're suddenly thrown into this whole new world that you'd never experienced before and and you're responsible for these these small children. So that was really that was really hard, definitely challenging. And and I think obstacles for me, I'm not sure if this is, you know, a, a specific Specifically for women, but fear is a big obstacle, especially when you' you're faced with big life changing decisions. I had a fear of my business not surviving or not being a good mom and not being there for my kids when they need me. My emotions sort of like are my obstacles, I think. but I do learn to push through them and and try and use my 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 uh, intuition and my my sort of gut feelings of what to do and and how to get through it. Asking for help is very hard. And I know that I have a wonderful new, new York network of friends that I, you know, call family, and a lot of other working mums, so we, we can lean on each other and and talk to each other about how to get through <laughs> different situations. Yeah,
0: and I think recognising that, that you're not alone, that there are others going through that those same experiences. Mm. But I think as you talked about, fear is it's such a normal thing, but it's something we don't talk much about, and but it actually drives often a lot of our behavior but I like the way that you said you've been able to counter it with almost intuition and trusting your gut and how you've got a busy life in terms of managing your business how do you find some sort of balance between your career and and your broader life
1: yeah it's definitely a juggle for sure so juggling my my family life and work life it's always hard I am a bit of a workaholic I think that every time if I have any spare time when I'm not you know with the children, or cooking, or cleaning, and, and other <laughs> daily life things, I'm I'm sort of drawn to work, and I have to really condition myself not to do that, and and to sort of make time for myself to do other things, and just even just go for a walk or listen to mm. piano music. I, I enjoy and sort of calms me down. And but I think it's it's just hard, especially when you have your own business, because there's always something that. That can be done. I'm very passionate about vintage, as you know, and so every time I I can, I, I love to go thrift store shopping. Um, I don't know if that's my way of balancing my my life. It's just it, it is a juggle.
0: Hmm. I think for most people it is a juggle. I know for certainly <laughs> for me it's a juggle, and also running my own business, I definitely understand that. But you know, there's always more that could be done, and you could always keep working. So there is something about that discipline of at a point in time drawing the line and and having a boundary.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, 2020 definitely made us all pause and and think about the what's most valuable in your life or, or what do you value, what's, what's the most important things in your life. And I think that was a really good, even though it was a tough year, it was also a, a time to reset and think about things on a very different level. Mm, I think it was.
0: We talked, Lucy, about some of your tougher times flip that around on the other side what have been some of your proudest career moments
1: I would have to say exhibiting at ICFF the International Contemporary Furniture Fair for the first time that's where I launched my studio and it was really just being in that environment I'd visited it a few times prior and I'd always had in my mind that gosh I would love to exhibit here one day and so that would definitely have to be one of the proudest career moments for me um I felt like a small fish in a gigantic pond for sure <laughs> but I was I was incredibly proud and, and just happy to be be there and, and amongst other designers that I'd read about and seen and I've now exhibited two more times there as well as a couple of other design exhibitions and I've met some really wonderful designers who are now some of my closest friends and colleagues and I'm happy to say our, our studio turned sixth this year and you know I finally feel like we're being recognized and people know who we are and if we do another exhibition at, at ICFF, I'll have designers that will come up and, and they know who we are. So it's, it's a really nice sort of time now after six years.
0: And to be able to see that transition for you, for yourself from the first time you exhibited where it was all you and people maybe didn't know you to now actually people knowing who you are, what you're about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can also yeah. imagine that you've got quite a distinctive, probably quite different style from what else might be exhibited perhaps in the States.
1: Yeah, a little different. <laughs> I, hope this, I hope to. I hope that we've differentiated ourselves. We've definitely got a lot of colour.
0: Yeah, and but it, it's one of the cool things. I remember I worked in marketing for a while, and the whole focus was all about being distinctive and memorable. Right. And so I can absolutely see how that would come through for you. And where do you see your career heading now in the future, Lucy? Well, we just
1: moved studios from Tribeca up to Chelsea now, and I'm really happy to announce that we're also expanding and we'll be opening a new studio in New Zealand at the end of the year, at the end of the year or beginning 2022. And I'll be going there to set it up and I'm really excited to to be able to do that, to be on the ground literally and to have access to other resources. I'm, I'm really interested in sustainability and bringing that more on board with um, my business. New Zealand Wall is, is a is obviously my main material. So I'm really interested in being more on the ground and visiting more farms and farmers and learning about traceability and how and promoting New Zealand wool as a New Zealander and as this fibre is, is renewable, biodegradable, sustainable. And, and so I think that's a really important but exciting part of the business that I, I'm, I'm really happy to be sort of directing the business toward.
0: Yeah and that's fantastic that you're using New Zealand wool because you know we've seen through Merino for example actually how that's had such success but more broadly the wool industry in New Zealand to keep supporting that as you say because it has such magical properties. What prompted the, the decision to open a studio in New Zealand?
1: I think, well, last year, 2020, amongst all the challenges and, and tough times, there was a lot of silver linings. And one of them was I was able to take my family down to New Zealand and spend four months down there with my with my New Zealand family, my parents are there and and my siblings. And so that was, obviously we were all working remotely. My children were distance learning, which we were very thankful for with their school back here in New York. And my husband and I were both working remotely. And so I I realized that not only was it a time that we were able to open a new studio in New Zealand. I just, I I realized that, that, you know, this was a possibility because of the remoteness
0: Mm, mm, which is wonderful and also for you to then hopefully have a business as you said closer to the source the materials but also being closer Mm -hmm. to your family on a personal level as well um, working across those two locations Um, and what career advice would you have for other women
1: yeah well be your own voice I think give back when you can and volunteer whenever you can that will help you learn something new I think network like crazy when I came to New York the, for the first time, I was really um, hungry to learn as much as uh, about the city as possible, and so I would, I would network and and try and meet as many designers as possible. And and the, I think the thing about New York is, when you meet someone, they're always introducing you to at least one or two other people, and so you would create your your network just expands and expands. And it's just I don't know that was something that I that I really was was grateful for and and it helped me I think be confident enough to, to create a network now that I've got my business. And I don't know, just um, if design is the way or, or design is the, ends up to be your passion, I think it's important to make decisions purposefully and thoughtfully and stay curious. I think that would be my, my last thing.
0: Wonderful. And I can see that curiosity in you in terms of even, as you said, in the last 18 months with all the craziness that's been going on, you were still looking at what you could learn Mm -hmm. and what inspiration you might gather from other sources. So I can see that that curiosity is absolutely part of of you and, and part of your inspiration. Yeah, definitely. Lucy, well, thank you so much for your time today. I have really enjoyed hearing your story and right through from not being quite sure what you wanted to do and the, the early path through being a chef, through discovering that passion for design, pursuing that right through to that courageous move of opening your own business in New York. It's a wonderful story. So thank you for sharing it with me. Thank you, Anna. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.